Hello and welcome to Boiled Down. I'm your host, Greg Astley, Orla Director of Government Affairs. Joining me today from the Orla team is Nicole Peterson, Government Affairs Coordinator. Hey, Greg. Hi, Nicole. You know, today's a very special day, Nicole, and I know you know what that is. Yeah, because you told me. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Today is January 8th. Which apparently is Elvia, I can't even say his name. (laughs) She's so excited and nervous. I'm so excited. Elvis Presley's birthday. It is January 8th, 1935. Elvis would have been 85 years old. 85 years young, I prefer to think of him, actually. And we just discovered that I don't know most of his music, apparently, Um, so I'll work on that. I appreciate that, and uh, I'll be thinking about sending you certain songs tonight when I'm enjoying my fried peanut butter and banana sandwich for dinner. Perfect. Just don't send me clam bake again, because that... I, I, you know, it's it. it's an underappreciated song. I think you got to watch the movie. So sometime we'll we'll sit <laughs> For down the full context. Sometime we'll sit down and binge all twenty seven movies that Elvis made in the span of what? nine years. Who let so. him make twenty seven movies? That's uh, crazy. Who let him? Yeah, no, he he did it. He it was. Oh yeah. Oh, I kind of heard that his manager wasn't. Yeah, we don't talk about the Colonel. Okay. So, but that's all right. All right. Good. Well, moving on from that, uh, it is a new year. There are new laws. And at Orla, we have some new hires. Uh, Orla is very pleased to welcome Terry Hopkins and Greg Staneruk to the regional team as uh, regional representatives, member representatives for the Oregon Restaurant and Lodging Association. Yeah, we're super excited to have them on board. Uh, They're both great people from what I can see so far. So if you need more info about who they are, or want to get in touch with them, their email is on our website. So I would recommend you do that. But either way, they're going to reach out to you. So yeah. So if you go to OregonRLA.org, you'll find information on Greg and Terry and of course, Steve Scardina, our other member representative. And yeah, we'll, uh, we'll look forward to having you meeting them and they're looking forward to meeting you. That kind of sounded creepy. It's oh, not in a creepy way. Though. It's not in a creepy way. They just want to get together and, and talk. So industry yes. issues, right? All right. Moving on from that awkward moment, <laughs> we want to make sure you're getting the most out of your membership. And to help you do that, we like to highlight a benefit you may or may not be aware of. Did you know Orla members get 20% off all training and education packages from Guardian Group for January 2020 to honor Human Trafficking Prevention Month? Protect your business, brand, and most importantly, your employees and guests. Guardian Group provides simple, smart training to the hospitality industry, equipping your staff to spot human trafficking while managing your business's liability. You can learn more at OregonRLA.org slash ESP. If you're not a member, visit OregonRLA.org where you can join and start taking advantage of the many growing benefits. Well, now I'm very excited to introduce our guests, Teresa O'Neill, VP Global Strategic Partnerships for Travel Oregon, and Carol Astley, Director of Meeting Services for Travel Oregon. Welcome to Boiled Down. Thank you. Greg. Great to be here. (laughs) A little hesitation there as you both are looking to me, but uh, that's great. Just jump right in. Um, And Teresa, we're going to start with you. Um, We want to give our listeners an overview of Travel Oregon, kind of how you guys are funded, uh, what the RCTP, RDMO program is, and what those letters mean. Um, When we talk about the seven regions, what does that mean? And the Oregon Tourism Commissioners and why they're important to Travel Oregon and the lodging industry. Great. Happy to do that. Yes, lots of acronyms in this in this world of tourism, and I'll do my best to explain that. We are the Oregon Tourism Commission, doing business as Travel Oregon. In 2003, House Bill 2267 was implemented, which created a 1% statewide lodging tax. 
Most recently, in 2016, House Bill 4146 increased the state lodging tax from 1% to 1.8% and decreases to 1.5% effective in July 2020. This newest legislation directs 20% of the state lodging tax to implement a regional cooperative tourism program. So there's our first acronym. Got it. RCTP for short, and 10% to a competitive grants program. And as you mentioned, there's seven regions. And with those seven regions come seven RDMOs, another acronym, Regional Destination Management Organizations, who develop and submit regional plan proposals for use of state dollars. Each RDMO develops and enacts a tourism destination management plan that involves the input of regional tourism stakeholders and travel organ. 100% of regional cooperative tourism program, RCTP funds, must be used towards programs or projects that are in alignment with travel organs' strategic plan. And as you mentioned, we do have a commission. There are nine commissioners that oversee the Oregon Tourism Commission, and each is appointed by the governor of Oregon. One represents the public at large, five represent the lodging sector, and three represent the tourism industry at large, not including lodging. Right. Commissioners approve and oversee the budget and work outlined in the strategic plan. And I'd like to just talk about those lodging commissioners. Yeah, we'd love to hear about them. Great. So we have our wonderful chair, Scott Youngblood, who is with Embassy Suites by Hilton Portland in Washington Square, Don Anway with the Newman Hotel Group down in Southern Oregon, Lucinda DeNovo, who is with the Mill Casino Hotel and RV Park on the Southern Coast, and Richard Boyles, who with the, is with the Merite Hotel Management Company in Eugene, and Greg Willits with Five Pine Lodge and Spa over in Sisters, Oregon. The Oregon Tourism Commission oversees our president and CEO, Todd Davidson, who oversees all of the Travel Oregon staff, including myself. The Travel Oregon team develops and implements a biennial strategic plan that includes four imperatives, optimize statewide economic impact, support and empower Oregon's tourism industry, champion the value of tourism, and running an effective business. These imperatives guide the work we do. Travel Oregon works extensively with our regional partners, local communities, government agencies, and private businesses to implement our strategic plan. All right. Well, so that's a lot to unpack in that that first piece there. But um, obviously, I mean, you guys cover a lot of ground uh, because you do international and you do regional and, of course, nationwide. Um, but maybe talk about the makeup of uh, Travel Oregon, uh, the RDMOs, the DMOs, and how they all work together with Orla uh, so that we know how all those pieces work together. Happy to. And I will just mention that of all of those things that you mentioned, in my 15 years now at Travel Oregon, I've had a little bit of piece of each one of those. Wow, that's great. Yeah, it has been. Um, first, I'll talk about the RDMOs. As we touched on earlier, there's seven tourism regions called Regional Destination Management Organizations. We are sitting in the Willamette Valley region here doing this podcast. And then the other regions are the Portland region, Oregon Coast, Mount Hood Columbia River Gorge, Central Oregon, Southern Oregon, and Eastern Oregon. Each RDMO partners with Travel Oregon to attract visitors to its specific region. Next, we'll talk about the DMOs. So we're going from regional destination management or marketing organization mm -hmm. to a destination management or marketing organization 
at a locale. Their primary function is to attract visitors to their locale for the purpose of enhancing the local economy through purchases of room nights, food and beverage, retail items, transportation, visitor services. Many times they operate a visitor center as well. Examples of local DMOs around the state are Travel Salem, Visit Ben, Albany's Visitors Association, Discover Newport. All very, very important partners of Travel Oregon. Orla, of course, is a great partner on all of these levels, locally, regionally, and statewide. Your lodging property members are listed on the TravelOregon.com website through a partnership between Orla and Travel Oregon, and restaurants have the ability to be listed as well with some of our parameters. We have a frontline staff customer service training program in partnership with Orla, as well as the Oregon Tourism Leaders Academy, both of which we'll talk about later in this podcast. We have a fun megaphone graphic in the Travel Oregon 101 that's online that I'll talk through now. It explains how Travel Oregon works with those RDMOs and DMOs all together. How this all works is like this. Hotels, restaurants, and attractions keep their local DMOs posted on what they have going on, their capabilities. Do they have room for a tour bus to park at a hotel or for a large group to eat a meal at their restaurant? DMOs share this information regionally with their RDMOs, and those RDMOs share it with us. We meet with them on a regular basis to share these opportunities with us so that we can share them through our national and international channels, which you mentioned, such as our website, advertising campaigns, and partnerships to spread the word about all of Oregon out into the rest of the world. Fantastic. And you guys do a great job of that. I know you've been recognized nationally for the work that you've done, um, whether it's the, the graphic ads that you do, the, the advertising programs. I know um, you have a, a, a new one. What's the latest advertising that you guys are doing right now? Well, actually, that is the only slightly exaggerated campaign, which is really just so fun. It actually is inspired by a wonderful Japan animator. And it is animation. And it really tells the story of Oregon through very fun characters and has been very well received. We actually did a launch of it in Japan last spring that I was able to be a part of. And I have to tell you, uh, just seeing the difference of where we're at in the Japan market from when I started in 2005 Mm -hmm. to where we are now is really just so rewarding, Greg, because... Those Japanese travelers, as well, as well as every international traveler that we have, they come and they stay longer and they spend more than the domestic traveler. Not that we don't love our domestic traveler, <laughs> but we really do love those international travelers. Sure. So around the holidays, you also had a couple of characters that were helping to spread the word about how great Oregon can be. We did. Our winter campaign included Yeti and Squatch, um, also a great book. That was featured, and we even had Cheryl Stray do a reading for us and talk about Yeti and Squatch. So when you go on our channels, you'll see Yeti and Squatch out around the state. Um, Yeti uh, really is representing winter, Mm -hmm. and Squatch was sort of our more summer season approach to to the campaign. So it was really fun to see the full circle of that. And really, the winter season is so much about when your members really need that business— And um, it's been 
really remarkably successful. That's great. Well, it was great to see those, uh, the books, and as you mentioned, all the different channels that you guys have them on. So uh, it's a fun campaign, and hopefully people have a chance to take a look at that. So um, so we're talking about visitors now, and you mentioned uh, Japan, but what, what does a visitor to Oregon look like? And I know there's no such thing as a typical visitor, but um, I know you guys have lots of data, which we really appreciate as well. Um, but where, where does a visitor come from? What are they looking for when they come here? I know that that's part of your Travel Oregon 101 presentation as well. Right. We do regularly conduct Oregon visitor profile studies with Longwoods International to gain deeper insight into the visitors of our state. Our most recent research shows that half of the visitors are traveling for leisure, 56% are adults traveling with other adults in the car, 20% are adults traveling with kids. Our average stay is approximately three nights. Average age is about 47 years old. Main purpose of the trip, touring, outdoor recreation, special events. The main activities they're doing are beach trip, state parks, landmarks, dining, hiking, and of course our tax-free shopping. Of course. It's no surprise that summer and spring are the most visited seasons, with winter and fall visitation equal. So how do lodging properties and restaurants fit into that whole tourism ecosystem that you just mentioned? When visitors come to Oregon, they're staying in lodging properties, whether it's a hotel or a yurt at a state park, and they are also eating in restaurants, along with taking advantage of all that Oregon has to offer, such as enjoying outdoor recreation, tax-free shopping, and the many tourism attractions around the state. Staff at hotels and restaurants act as hosts for their local communities, suggesting attractions, hiking trails, and other fun things to do to keep visitors in the area longer and help them enjoy their trip to the fullest. We know that visitors to Oregon get information in so many ways, from the Travel Oregon website, to the RDMO and DMO and hotel websites, and in-person suggestions from stopping at a welcome center or eating a meal in a restaurant with a friendly server, or in a conversation with a hotel front desk staffer when checking in. Yeah, I know that's actually one of the ways that when I travel around, I stop into a restaurant and I'll ask somebody, you know, where do I need to see? What do I need to? What do I need to go do? Um, or when you're at the hotel, obviously the first question you want to know is what's the best place to eat, right? Especially if you're looking for authentic regional food. So um, those those frontline workers can really act as ambassadors for uh, Oregon tourism. Absolutely. And I'm so glad you brought that up, Greg. I actually started my career in 1988 at the Portland Hilton at that front desk. And actually, it was the greatest frontline training I could have ever gotten in this industry because you just have the opportunity to sell Oregon and promote it in such an authentic way. Uh, so, Teresa, what partnerships are available uh, and what do they mean for Orla members? So I know there's a couple of examples, maybe the Oregon Wine Board, the Oregon Film Commission. Uh, and then, of course, you guys did a partnership with a brewery here in Oregon. Um, the partnerships team is focused on proactively developing and responding to strategic opportunities that are innovative and lead to economic growth for stakeholders and champion the value of tourism one of our strategic imperatives. By collaborating with key tourism industry partners like Orla, the Oregon Wine Board, Sports Oregon, Oregon Film, and Business Oregon, cross-alignment opportunities are being identified and strategically leveraged. A focus on further building relationships with Oregon Outdoor, retail, and food and beverage companies is a key strategy as these partnerships offer the opportunity to access a broader range of resource and expertise for our industry. 
The Deschutes Brewery slightly exaggerated IPA is a great example of one of these partnerships. I don't know if you've had a chance to try it out yet or not, Greg. Actually, at our oldest son's wedding, we had a keg of slightly exaggerated IPA, so we thought that appropriate. Wonderful. Thanks so much for taking advantage (laughs) of that. Um, What a fun wedding. Deschutes is one of Oregon's largest craft breweries, and the first batch of the beer debuted in 2018, along with Travel Oregon's only slightly exaggerated campaign at their pub in Bend. And it sold out in two weeks. For this next campaign, only slightly more exaggerated, they passed the baton to their production brewery to release it on a larger scale in all of their pubs, in bottles and kegs, and wherever Deschutes beer is sold starting last summer. That's actually 33 states that that beer is sold in. Um, So there's still a few bottles out there, but you might want to not wait too long to get a hold of one. I think I still have a six-pack in my refrigerator, so we'll get to that, so... All right. Well, with that, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to hear from Carol Astley, Director of Meeting Services for Travel Oregon. As a member, you have access to exclusive solutions, including healthcare discounts from United Healthcare on select group medical and specialty benefit plans, an association health plan option for small businesses, and a free pharmacy discount card administered through OptumRx that helps employees and their families save up to 75% on all FDA-approved prescription medications. Find out more at uhctogether.com slash Orla. Welcome back to Boiled Down. We're discussing Oregon's Tourism Commission, Travel Oregon, with Teresa O'Neill and Carol Astley. And Carol, we're going to uh, switch to you now and talk a little bit about uh, some of the programs that you offer, including Travel Oregon 101. So what is it um, and who benefits? Thanks for asking. The Travel Oregon 101 is a seminar that we offer all around the state so that people in the industry can learn more about Oregon's travel and tourism industry. The seminar is designed to benefit visitor-related businesses, organizations, and communities. Participants who come gain knowledge of the many opportunities through Travel Oregon and the network that Teresa was just talking about of local, regional, national, and international industry partners how you can get looped into the tourism industry's communication system, and also to let us know that you're out there and that you're ready for visitors. Also, you'll learn about details of programs and services that Travel Oregon offers that can help businesses, organizations, and communities draw more visitors. We do the 101 in person all around the state, as I mentioned, and every few months we do offer it up as a webinar for people who aren't able to get to an in-person one. And in the future, we'll also have a video version on our website as well. That's great. So what other opportunities are there for folks to get involved or participate, get information from you about what's going on in the tourism industry? We do offer several educational conferences for the travel and tourism industry. I'm excited to tell you about the first one because it's the very first time we've ever offered this conference. It's the Oregon Rural Tourism Conference. It's coming up in April of 2020 this year. You know, and we'll be in Central Oregon. Travel Oregon has always been supportive um, and working in rural communities through investment in education, development, and leveraging of partnerships. Based on this commitment, we are now hosting this first ever Oregon Rural Tourism Conference, which is a rural-focused platform delivering practical and applicable education, collaboration, and networking opportunities that support Oregon's destination management organizations, DMOs, as you heard, 
businesses, and industry partners that work in rural tourism communities. So for the purposes of this conference, we are defining rural as a city that is less than 25,000 in population and not adjacent to or part of an urban or metropolitan area. So anyone who works in a rural Oregon community or works with an Oregon rural community is invited to attend the conference. Next up, we have the Oregon Governor's Conference on Tourism, which many of your listeners may have attended. It has been around for 35 years. We offer three days of networking and immersion in the travel and tourism industry. Um, We talk about all sorts of uh, great topics. We're there to educate, inspire, and connect tourism stakeholders and business partners. We are taking a break in 2020 and coming back strong in 2021, bigger and better than ever in Portland at the Oregon Convention Center. So we're excited about that. And then the next level of education that we do is called Oregon Tourism Studio. We know that visitors are looking for unique experiences in every region and all local communities. And we know building tourism is manageable and it's a sustainable way that can stimulate local economies. So what we've done is we've, to help communities across the state, we're um, offering these Oregon Tourism Studios, or we call them OTS, because we love acronyms at Travel Oregon. (laughs) Um, Our destination development team helps communities cultivate regional visions, identify strategies to harness the power of tourism, and develop unique experiences in culinary and agritourism, outdoor recreation, bicycle tourism, cultural heritage tourism, and more. So through this process, we are helping to build leaders um, with regional networks and leadership skills managing tourism development in communities all over the state. There are three types of studios that communities can apply to have um, offered in their communities. Uh, One is a rural tourism studio, which as it sounds like is for rural communities to help them grow tourism based on their region's unique offerings. The next level is the destination management studio, which is supporting communities that have strong tourism demand and may be vulnerable to the impacts of high visitation. The studio promotes job creation, local economic development, and a great experience for visitors while addressing visitation and management complexities to protect natural resources. And then the last level is tourism experience studios. These are a much more streamlined one or two day workshop that help communities develop and market specific tourism products focused on areas such as outdoor recreation, bicycle tourism, culinary and agritourism, and cultural heritage tourism. Travel Oregon works with these interested communities that are um, wanting to bring one of these type of educational experiences to their community. And um, you can find out more on our industry website. that's a tremendous offering. I mean, it sounds like you guys have a little bit of something for everybody, which is great um, because obviously Oregon's a very diverse state. Uh, we know that we've, we've got a coastline, we've got mountains, we've got high desert um, and all the things that come along with those different regions. And so uh, being able to kind of tailor your offerings, I think is tremendously beneficial to everybody there. Um, you mentioned, uh, you know, a couple of the conferences and obviously, as you said, people have attended those. I know, um, I know I've been to a few governor's conferences before, so looking forward to the new rural uh, tourism conference, which is a hard word to say rural. And you did it very well. Congratulations. I've said it a few times. I've 
bet you have. <laughs> um, but let's talk a little bit because, as Teresa mentioned, you know those frontline workers, and she was one of them. What what kind of training is there for um, somebody who is a, a server or a concierge or a manager? Um, I know that we have a program, Guest Service Gold, and uh, maybe that's something that uh, you can talk a little bit about how that relates to tourism. I'd love to. Um, as Teresa did mention earlier, we know that visitors are getting their Oregon travel tips from a variety of sources, with in-person suggestions from lodging properties and restaurants being part of that important process. So because of this need, Travel Oregon and the Oregon Restaurant and Lodging Association Education Foundation have partnered with the American Hotel and Lodging Educational Institute to bring the Oregon Travel and Tourism Industry an accredited and internationally recognized customer service training program called Guest Service Gold. Hopefully many of the people listening have taken this. Um, I'm happy to say that all of Travel Oregon and all of the Oregon Restaurant and Lodging Association staff have all become certified. Um, there are two versions of the Guest Service Gold. Um, both are available at a very exclusive price because of this great partnership between Travel Oregon and the Orla Education Foundation. So one opportunity is the Guest Service Gold Tourism Oregon Edition. And this is applicable to a broad cross-section of hospitality-related organizations. And in fact, all of the stories that are featured were filmed in Oregon and use local hospitality employees. So that is definitely my favorite version. Um, the other version is called Golden Opportunities, and it uses hotel scenarios from national locations to illustrate its principles and is most applicable for accommodations-based organizations. These trainings are available online, so 24-7, or they, there are trainers that you can hire to train a group of employees or people from a community together. Wendy Popkin here at Orla is the main contact for this program, and if you want to know more, you can reach her at wpopkin, so W-P-O-P-K-I-N, at OregonRLA.org. We talked a little earlier uh, about the partnership, obviously, between lodging properties here in Oregon uh, and Travel Oregon, the Oregon Tourism Commission. Um, and one of those is the listing that lodging properties can get on the TravelOregon.com website. But how could restaurants uh, in particular be integrated into your digital content or listed like the lodging properties are already? Well, as you know, TravelOregon.com has a lot of visitor information, including lodging properties and restaurants, to help visitors plan their perfect trip to Oregon. Any tourism-related businesses, including restaurants, may submit their information directly to Travel Oregon by emailing us at otis, that's O-T-I-S, at TravelOregon.com. The goal of TravelOregon.com is to be the trusted resource for travel inspiration and trip planning information. So any tourism-related business is eligible to rece receive a complimentary listing on TravelOregon.com. There are a list of um, items that we would want you to send to us, such as that you're located in Oregon, that you're tourism-related, that you're open to the general public, and uh, we can send you more information if you want to send us that email. Once again, that's Otis, O-T-I-S, at TravelOregon.com. Great. So uh, we're going to dig a little bit into the weeds now um, and get, get a little into the kind of the nitty-gritty here. And uh, it's not a, an acronym, but Teresa, what's a FAM tour and why should our members care? Well, I love talking about fam tours because I've just been on a few, maybe like about 300. Um, but fam tour is actually short for familiarization tour. And we host 
a few different models. When you really think about a BAM tour, um, just think of it as research. These tour operators and the media that we invite really need to actually come here and really experience Oregon. So we're regularly working and communicating with the media, pitching Oregon story ideas. We plan domestic press trips and host journalists to visit Oregon each year. We also bring quite a few international journalists as well. I bet. Uh, We're always looking for a different way to have the media experience uh, what's new, what's trending, what's developing, big anniversaries, milestones. Actually, one opportunity that's coming up is the new nonstop service that will start next year with British Airways into Portland. Great. So again, um, those international flights, I really want to emphasize that to your audience. Because when I began working at Travel Oregon in 2005, we had one international nonstop service, and that was to Frankfurt, Germany. Mm-hmm. We now have up to 14 nonstop flights daily into PDX. Um, not all year round, but really, really important for your listeners to know how those international tour operators and guests and media are getting here. Um You can send us your press ideas or pitch ideas to press at travelorgan.com. The other type of FAM tour, research tour we host, is when we work with our international in-country contractors to sell Oregon. We have marketing and PR reps in nine countries who are on the ground. They're native speakers consistently promoting Oregon. We also work with travel agents. Believe it or not, uh, those international travelers actually still use travel agents. I was going to say, believe it or not, there are still travel agents, right? (laughs) They're definitely very important. (laughs) And when you go overseas on these trade missions, you'll see just how many uh, travel agents there are. Uh, About 50% of international visitors still use the travel agents. Wow. And the great thing about that is that the other 50% actually look online or actually go into the retail travel agent office and check out the itineraries that are featured. So we're still influencing that 50% that Mm. are actually using a travel agent. Um, We also attend many trade shows and go all over the world and meet with tour operators to really promote the best of Oregon. I'm going to put you on the spot real quick. Do you know the nine countries that you have? Oh, you're so good. Um, You know, since I don't oversee that program anymore, I'm going to do my best. Um, But our five target markets in Europe are the UK, Germany, France, Scandinavia, and the Benelux. Um, Europe is absolutely very important because, uh, as many people may know, they get up to seven weeks vacation a year which is just phenomenal. And um, especially the UK and the Brits, they love Oregon. They love our great big outdoor spaces. So that's five. And Benelux is Belgium, Netherlands, and Luxembourg. Exactly. All right. That was a trivia question I answered correctly like 13 years ago, just so you know. (laughs) You know, I actually, I won't name the commissioner that actually thought that was a new country that he'd never heard of. (laughs) I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess Scott, but we won't put him on the spot. Um, no, I'm not going to name that. <laughs> um, so uh, the uh, countries in Asia, though, uh, China, our mm-hmm. number one international market, and we don't have a nonstop from China. So mm. that tells you exactly how many Chinese are actually now visiting. Um, Japan, which is our longest uh, relationship with an in-country rep, uh, we've been there for over 30 years wow. and, and really have seen remarkable growth. We do have a nonstop. Uh, flight daily to Tokyo and to Portland. 
and Korea, which is actually also a, a growth market for us. I'm assuming south, not north. That is correct. We haven't <laughs> been able to cross that line yet. Um, <laughs> but they actually, the Koreans love our winter product. They're big skiers. So we really uh, have seen some great growth there in in um, that time period. And uh, I think I'm at eight right now. I think you are. So uh, we're actually going to talk about Oceana next, okay? which is Australia and New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And we have a wonderful in-country rep there as well. Um, this is kind of pushing it almost to 10. That, that same rep we have in Oceana, believe it or not, also represents us in Canada, too. So <laughs> wow. when we talk international, we're saying overseas, but our largest international market is Canada. Sure. Of course, our neighbors to the north. Yeah. Well, that's great. Great job. You 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 got them all. Well, uh, I, they, I did work that market just just for a while. Um, but bringing these groups to Oregon to explore the state for themselves and their clients and their readers is really the best way to sell the Oregon experience. We also partner with regional and international air carriers that I mentioned on these sales missions and FAM trips. Examples for your members' participation in a FAM could be a restaurant hosting a dinner and having a chef come out and talk about the menu and local ingredients, or a lodging property hosting FAM attendees at their property talking about the history of the property and community. If your restaurant or lodging property would like to be included on a press or international FAM trip itinerary, let your RDMO or DMO know. Again, I cannot emphasize enough how important it is to understand that that international market, why it may not be as big as our domestic market, they're going to stay a lot longer and spend a lot more. A lot of opportunity for growth there internationally as well, I would imagine. Absolutely. That's great. Well, um, I mentioned that we're going to get into the weeds, and so I'm going to turn this back over to Carol. And we know that there's a lot of folks out there who are very much uh, data-driven, and they love to look at the numbers, and they want to know all about the research. So for those members who really want to know more, who really want to get into those details, is there a resource for research and data through Travel Oregon? Indeed. In fact, at the Travel Oregon 101, I always say that Travel Oregon loves research. Uh, We are actively involved in developing many different types of research to not only benefit the state, but also aid us in making informed decisions regarding marketing efforts, destination management, and product development. We track trends and performance at state and national levels and provide performance measures for the agency and the industry. So here are just a few examples of some of our primary research reports that are all available for anyone that's listening um, on our industry website for you to view and use as you would see fit. So we have an annual economic impact report, Oregon's travel barometer, Oregon statewide visitor profile, Oregon regional visitor profile, advertising accountability, and then niche research such as outdoor recreation, culinary and agritourism, and impacts of wildfires. Also available is an interactive research dashboard, which highlights state level and regional travel data from a variety of sources and monthly indicators of travel activity in the state. So encourage anyone listening to please check it out. Um, It's fascinating research. Yeah, I can speak firsthand. Actually, the uh, impacts of the wildfires is a piece that we've used as we've gone around and talked in uh, both regional uh, meetings in different communities, but also at the statewide level with legislators and talking about how uh, the impacts of the wildfires are affecting tourism, which affects obviously our members and, and the visitors that are coming here. And, um, you know, it's, it's, 
it's important to have that kind of information. Uh, it, it's uh, definitely well regarded. And so we appreciate you guys having that. I know that uh, we also have a partnership with Travel Oregon and the Oregon Destination Association on the Oregon Tourism Leadership Academy, uh, where we're developing some tourism champions uh, across the state. And it's a great program to get some folks out into the state in different areas. I know they're visiting three regions a year. It's a year-long program where they'll spend four or five days. And our class this year is about, I think, half uh, RDMOs or DMOs, people from from that aspect. Uh, But then the rest of the class is comprised of folks from private industry uh, as well as uh, government. So we've got some local and state government folks that are joining us as well, which is great uh, to get them to understand a little bit more and and open up those lines of communications. I know this year's class is already full, um, but what do you think they can expect from this unique experience? Well, I have to say, Greg, this is just Absolutely. So exciting that that first class is is sold out. And I I know Jason Brandt is particularly excited about that as well. What they can expect is really an opportunity to develop their skill set as a leader in this industry. And while the Guest Service Gold Program that we've worked with you on for quite a long time is key to the frontline staff, it's really very important to look at those organizations that have opportunities to have leaders around the state grow and develop. Um, Eventually, the Todds, the Jasons, the Teresas are going to move on, (laughs) and we're going to have this next set of leaders coming up. And I will say that we we have a a particular focus as well on diversity. Mm -hmm. We wanted to make sure that we had representation from around the state. Um, We know those rural communities really do need that type of leadership development, sometimes even more than our, our urban uh, uh, members. Um, but we really are very excited to kick it off this year at the Rural Tourism Conference. So basically on the last day of the Rural Tourism Conference, Jason and uh, Todd Davidson, our CEO, will stand up and introduce the class and away they will go with their first class in uh, the Sun River area. Yeah. And then, as you mentioned, we'll have three other courses throughout the year. Well, and I know it's only the second program of its type in the United States. Colorado has one currently, but that's actually a little bit different um, because it's a state program. Um, this one's, you know, private uh, partnership with the private public partnership, I should say, with obviously uh, the Oregon Tourism Commission and Orla and ODA. Um, but I know a lot of times um, tourism and its impact can be misunderstood. Uh, and oftentimes uh, by some of our elected officials can just be seen as a pot of money that they may draw from uh, in order to help pay for some things. And so I think having this um, class of 20 champions that are going to really more fully understand uh, tourism in Oregon and what it really truly means to job creation and the local economy is going to be a great base, I think, as we continue to go on in in subsequent years and add more people. Um, It's exciting to think that within five years, we'll have over 100 industry champions really out there that will be very knowledgeable about tourism. And so thank you so much uh, to Travel Oregon for your commitment to the program and uh, looking forward to the kickoff after the Rural Tourism Conference. Well, thank you, Greg. And I also want to mention that this partnership is rather unique in that it really does recognize that these leaders do need to tell the story of tourism. It's, you know, uh, such an important industry in this state. 
And while the larger hotel chains like the Hiltons and Marriott's have great training programs for leadership development, I actually was able to participate in those quite a bit. Um, It's the smaller hoteliers and it's the smaller DMOs that really don't have access to that. So I commend Orla for coming to Travel Oregon and talking to us about this opportunity and, and again, cannot wait to kick it off. It's going to be great. Well, for anyone who didn't make this year's class, Carol, and wanted to take a Travel Oregon 101 just so that they can get a little bit more knowledgeable about this, uh, when and where are these classes being offered here in the near future? The 2020 schedule is on the Travel Oregon industry website, which I will be talking about that at the very end here in a bit. Um, We have in-person 101s coming up this year in Independence, that's next month in February, Lakeview, In Ashland, just before the Orla Hospitality Conference, so that might be a good one for a lot of your members. We always have great turnout at that. We'll be in Tillamook County later in the year and then finish up in Welch's at the end of 2020. We also, as I mentioned before, have several webinars that we will do in between each of those in-person seminars for those who can't make it to one in person. So we invite all of you to um, Join us at one of these. We look forward to meeting you and um, share our, sharing all our programs and getting you further um, invested in all of our different programs. That's great. A lot of opportunities and, and spread throughout the state, which is really important. Well, Carol, I'll start with you, but is there anything that we didn't talk about that you want to share with our listeners at this point? Well, as I said, everything that we have talked about today is on the Travel Oregon industry website. So all of our programs, all of the contact information for everything we just talked about. And that address is industry.travelOregon.com. So we encourage you to to go take a look and everything and more is on there. Um, And please keep in touch with us that way. While you're on our industry website, please do sign up for our industry newsletter so that we can keep sharing Travel Oregon opportunities and program information with all of you. And I also wanted to let you know that we do host listening sessions and town halls around the state, and we invite you to attend and tell us about what's going on in your business, your community, and region so that we can better serve all of you. That's great. Teresa, how about you? Anything that we didn't talk about you want to cover? Well, really, I just want to thank you, Greg and Orla, for allowing us the opportunity to tell uh, you the story of Travel Oregon and really want to say we couldn't do what we do without your members. Um, It's great that we have the opportunity to promote the state, but without your members checking these people into these hotels and collecting that 1.8% tax, Uh, we wouldn't exist. So I just have to say thank you so much and thank all your members for all the great work they do with us. Well, we appreciate that. We are going to take another quick break and we will be back with a very, very special guest. Uh, Don't go away. All right, welcome back to Boiled Down. I'm your host, Greg Astley, Director of Government Affairs for the Oregon Restaurant and Lodging Association. And with me right now is a very, very special guest, it is my youngest son, Mason Astley. Welcome, Mason. Hi. All right. So, Mason, um, because of your mom and I's jobs, we tend to travel a little bit. Uh-huh. And you get to come along with us on those travels, don't you? Yes. And I think you enjoy those, don't you? Yes. Yeah, I bet you do. You, you should see the smile on his face right now. But So I want to ask you a couple of quick questions about tourism in Oregon, which, uh, such as what has been your favorite place to visit in Oregon? Or 
Oregon caves in Southern Oregon. Yeah. What did you like about the Oregon caves? The tour. Yeah. Down in the caves. We got to go way down deep in the earth. Yep. Got a little tight in a couple of places, didn't it? Yep. Yeah. But it was pretty cool. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they're in the middle of a renovation right now. So we're going to have to wait until they're done with that. It's a national monument. But when they're done, we'll have to take another trip down there, right? Yay. All right. So then let's talk about the more important thing, which is can you tell me what your favorite place to eat and then your favorite place to stay? Because we know that restaurants and lodging are the most important parts of tourism in Oregon. Uh, Pig and Pancake in Sun River. So the Pig and Pancake is not in Sun River, but you meant the Pig and Pancake is your favorite place to eat. And it's yeah. the one in Seaside, if I remember correctly. Yep. Yeah. And, and then you like to stay in Sun River. Yep. Yeah. And so why do you like Pig and Pancake as a place to eat? I don't know. You don't know? I think maybe because it's a family tradition. Yeah. Yeah. Every time we go over to Seaside, we stop in at Pig and Pancake, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. And Zach Poole, if you're listening, and I'm sure you're going to get a link to this, I just want you to know that we stop there all the time. So in case there's anything coming my way from Zach Poole at Pig and Pancake. And then how about Sun River? What do you like about Sun River? The snow. Yeah. What do we like to do in the snow? Play. Yeah. Go tubing and throw snowballs. Yep. Yeah, and if Tom O'Shea, the general manager for Sun River, is listening, I'm sure Mason would love to come out and see you sometime as well. So we appreciate that. All right, well, Mason, I want to ask you one final question. Uh What's the best reason to visit Oregon, in your opinion? The state capitol to see the gold man. See the golden pioneer on top of the state capitol? Yeah. Yeah, and that's also where Dad works, right? Yep. Yeah, it's a pretty important job, pretty important building. Yep. So if it wasn't the state capitol, though, where do you think people should go? What's another place that you think would be great? Nature. Nature? Mm-hmm. Just generally go out to nature? Yeah. We do have a lot of outdoor things to do, don't we? Yep. Yeah, we can go hiking and biking and canoeing and kayaking and play golf. Yeah. Those are all pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Okay. And is there one other place, if I had to ask you for your kind of top three, besides nature and the state capitol with the Golden Pioneer where Dad works, what would be the third place you think? Uh, to come see Portland. Oh, because Portland. What do you like to do in Portland? The art museum and the ping pong bar. Wait a minute. You've been to a ping pong bar in Portland? Yeah. I'm going to have to talk to your mother about that. But you like the Portland Art Museum? Yep. And you liked playing ping pong, didn't you? Yeah. All right. Well, there you have it. From 10-year-old Mason Astley, the places to go, the places to eat, the places to stay in Oregon. Thank you, Mason, for being a part of the Boiled Down Podcast. Bye. As a member, you have access to exclusive solutions such as healthcare discounts from United Healthcare on select medical specialty benefit plans for groups of all sizes, including small, mid-size, and large businesses, plus an association health plan option for small businesses that offers both product and pricing flexibility, similar to large employers. Find out more at uhctogether.com orla. Welcome back. It's time for Advocacy Watch. This is where we boil down some of the local, state, and national government affairs issues that you should be aware of. City of Madras has gone ahead and approved putting a 5% prepared food and beverage tax on the May ballot. And so we'll be working with our uh, partners, both members and non-members in the Madras area to get more information on that and talk to uh, voters, potential voters, about uh, what that might mean for them as residents of the city of Madras. Um, So in Portland, 
we've been talking a lot about the parks. Uh, right now, the parks are experiencing a large gap in between what they want to spend because um, there have been a lot of community center closures and lots of the community are very concerned about those. So there's a gap between what they want to spend and what they have to spend. So commissioners have been evaluating what do they want to propose to the public um, in terms of finding the revenue for that gap. Um, so there's a few different options on the table that they've discussed so far in their work sessions. Um, so one of those is geo bonds. Uh, another would be special districts, as well as a lodging tax or a prepared food and beverage tax. So obviously some of those options are ones that we're rather concerned with and want to make sure that we um, educate them on the impact that that would have on our on our members and really the whole Portland community. Another one that the mayor actually brought to the table and wanted evaluated as well is a potential Portland income tax, um, which is something they hadn't looked at previously in the park staff. So obviously we're going to be updating you as we learn more and scheduling some meetings with the commissioners to to really tell them about what, what kind of impact this is going to have, not only on our restaurateurs, but also the larger community, especially low-income folks who you know, if they're working two jobs, they don't have time to make a lot of prepared food at home. So kind of rely on, you know, takeout and fast food. So I think that's something we really want to make sure we hone in on and let them know that that's very real in the Portland community. So we'll see what happens. They could, you know, go with one option. They could do a mix of options. One that they were previously really excited about was the special district option, but because of the way Oregon's property taxes are structured, there's going to be huge compression issues where basically then all of the money that other, you know, libraries, the county receives, it's all going to get squished down. Um, so obviously it's going to have farther political implications if they want to go with a special district. So we do have a huge challenge ahead of us, and hopefully we can find something that works for the whole community. At the federal level, the Trump administration is currently proposing tariffs of up to 100% on wine from the European Union, French sparkling wine and champagne, as well as olive oil, cheeses, and other products from the EU. These tariffs may take effect as soon as next month. And if the tariffs go into effect, thousands of restaurants and every part of the supply chain associated with these products would be severely impacted across the country. The National Restaurant Association has asked members to take a minute to submit your stories to the U.S. Trade Representative on how the tariffs may impact your business, and in particular, the impact on supply chains and the difficulty you may have in finding local or U.S. retailers to replace these products. Small restaurants may be hit hardest due to the challenges in bulk purchasing. For more information, contact Greg Astley at astley at oregonrla.org. Coming up on Wednesday, February 12th, is the Taste Oregon Legislative Reception, co-hosted with the Asian American Hotel Owners Association, AHOA, and sponsored by Cisco. 
It's a chance for you to sit down one-on-one with members of the legislature and their staff, talk about issues that are important, enjoy some great food. Um, You can attend, which is what we would love for you to do. You can also donate or provide food. We're looking for a couple of food vendors to still provide a a small plate, a a bite, if you will, for about 150 people or so. You can also sponsor uh, Taste Oregon, and this is a great opportunity, as I said, to kind of have a personal interaction with some of our elected officials and the staffers that help them make the decisions that impact you and your business. Wednesday, February 12th, Taste Oregon. We are at the Salem Convention Center. Well, Nicole, it's time for our listener question. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. I'm going to pull it out of the hat here. Oh, that was a nice invisible hat you had. You're not supposed to give away that stuff. They can't see me not pull it out of the hat. I have to explain to the (laughs) listeners what's happening because this is, you know, a podcast. I don't think you would have done well in the age of radio. I'm just going to (laughs) say that right now. So So, our question today uh, is in regard to several of the plastics laws that were passed recently by the state legislature, specifically House Bill 2509B, which was a plastic bag ban and Senate Bill 90, which was a plastic straws on request. And so, Nicole, I'm going to throw this over to you and see if you can help explain and point people to the resource that we've made available on the plastic bag ban and the plastic straws on request and some of the confusion around those. Yeah, absolutely. So we've been getting a lot of calls and a lot of emails about this because, uh, well, it's a new law in 2020. And I think a lot, you know, some people were kind of caught unaware Um, and customers also are definitely still getting used to this idea. Um, so on plastic straws, uh, so like Greg said, it has to be on request. So someone comes in to dine in, you're going to want the guest to request the straw. Do not advise your, um, your staff to ask them first, um, except for if you have a drive-thru. Then um, that's specifically carved out in the law to be able to ask them, prompt the customer and say, hey, do you need a straw? Um, And then you can go ahead and get them one if they say yes. Um, The other thing to keep in mind is that um, you can still use other types of straws. So you can go to paper, pasta, sugarcane, wood, bamboo. That's just a few of the options that you have available to you. Pasta straws. Pasta straws. Elbow macaroni maybe? Yeah, Something I recommend bigger? I recommend you probably don't cook the pasta and use it as a straw. <laughs> I mean, but that would be really funny to see. All right. Well, how about plastic bags? Because I know there's been some confusion about restaurants and being able to offer paper bags. And Yes. So there are definite restrictions on uh, what we can offer folks in terms of bags now. So the biggest one I've gotten, the biggest question is a lot of folks had biodegradable or compostable plastic bags. Can't use them uh, with this new law. It doesn't matter if that's what the plastic bag said it is, no plastics. Um, So what restaurants can provide is recycled paper checkout bags uh, at no cost to customers. Now that's a little bit different um, because obviously grocery stores, um, as you may have experienced going in, they do have to charge for recycled uh, paper checkout bags. That is not the case for restaurants. So no cost to customers. The other option that um, 
restaurants have are reusable plastic checkout bags, um, but it has to be at least four millimeters thick. So, and I think it has to have handles as well. So that one, um, you have to charge if you do um, use a reusable plastic checkout bag, you have to charge at least five cents. Um, for your customers. And obviously you're large, you are allowed to charge more. Um, the other thing to keep in mind with this is that, uh, with plastic bag bands, there might be, I, I think, slight changes based on your local jurisdiction. They have that right to, to, you know, increase violation fines. Right. So if they if they had a law previously, like Salem, where I live, um, mm-hmm. had a plastic bag ban, um, then that takes precedence over the state uh, law for the plastic bag ban. So, and this information is available on our website at OregonRLA.org. Yeah. So that's honestly the best place to check first to see if there's a question that's already been asked and answered. Um, but obviously, we're always available too if something else. Some weird question comes up because you never know. That's right. And you can keep those emails coming to info at OregonRLA.org. Let us know not only your government affairs questions, but also your opinions and what's going on in your area. Also recently, um, if you haven't heard, uh, one of the commissioners, uh, Commissioner Nick Fish, he resigned um, just before, I think, um, New Year's. And he was resigning because of health issues. And then two days later, um, it was reported that he had unfortunately passed away. And so actually he was the last round table that the Portland Kitchen Cabinet had hosted. And he was very kind, very thoughtful, very willing to work with us. And I mean, it just kind of, that meeting just kind of encompassed, I feel like who he is, who he was as a person. And so it was just very sad um, because that was, I mean, that was Halloween. So very sad how quickly things progressed. And I don't think anyone sort of expected it. But I just remember like at our meeting, you know, he came up to me afterward. He could have just waved and said, yo, bye, everybody. But he came up to everyone. He like said my name, made sure to shake my hand. And it was just like, yeah, very nice guy. I know he will definitely be missed by um, everyone in Portland and probably across the state too. Yeah. Over the last four years, uh, working with commissioner fish, um, you know, it's been a real privilege. Uh, he definitely was someone who was open-minded and willing to listen. Um, he was a consensus builder and, uh, somebody that uh, was reasonable. And, uh, in this day and age, uh, in politics in particular, that's, uh, that's a bit of a rare thing, unfortunately. And so our thoughts go out to his family, um, and, and his staff that worked with him. Uh, and we just hope that others will, uh, take up the mantle that he had and, uh, continue to work with everyone in the community. Big shoes to fill very big. I'm your host, Greg Astley, Director of Government Affairs for Orla. Thanks for listening.